0: Good to see everybody this morning. We, um, we're, we're, we're kind of in the midst of a series here. Um, we've been looking at our world, both hidden and future. And we're going to do a, a three-week study before we um, jump into the Easter season, which I'm real excited about that. Little, Easter comes a little bit earlier this year at the end of March. I'm predicting that this weekend will be the last cold weekend. So you can call me on it. I don't think we'll see another 24, 25 degree high the rest of uh, this season. So, um, hey, I, I got to do just as good as the weather people, right? So I thought I'd give it a shot. Um, so we're excited about our Easter messages and uh, so be praying for that. But, but what I want to look at over the next three weeks is, is what will be. The Bible really, what's great about the Word of God, it, it doesn't even, it shows us what's happened in the past in our history uh, but it also shows us what's going to occur in the future. And, and what I want to do over the next three weeks is just, just dig into the Word of God and see what the Word of God has to say about prophecy and what will happen in the future and why this is important for us to understand as followers of Christ. How many you know that there are signs all around us that show us that the end times are now? that we're actually living in the end times now. We're going to see what the Bible has to say about that and how we should be preparing ourselves as believers in guarding our hearts above all things in these last days. And we're going to see what the scriptures have to reveal about that because we believe that the scriptures are from God, that they're God's holy word, that they're ultimate truth, they're absolute truth that we need to live our lives by and they protect us and they guide us in all truth so what we've what we've discovered over this series is we've discovered two basic biblical truths and one of those basic biblical truths is there is a spiritual world can i get an amen we live in a spiritual world whether we believe it or not the bible is very specific when it comes to the subject of the spiritual world what's going on behind the curtain right The Wizard of Oz, you had Oz behind the curtain, the big green head. There's something going on. It wasn't just the big green head. There was something manipulating the big green head. And if you haven't seen The Wizard of Oz, I just gave it away. And if you haven't, get a life. You need to watch it, okay? So behind that, we know there's something going on that we don't necessarily see that's that's working behind the scenes. The Bible is very specific when it comes to the subject of the spiritual world, such as angels, demons, and Satan. Satan. These are not... Fairy tales, and we need to be very careful to separate what's coming out of Hollywood from what's defined in the Bible concerning the spiritual world. Well, let me just say this, the, the topic of the spiritual world is very popular today. If, if, if you see anything on TV, there's a lot of shows about the spiritual world, the Long Island Medium, all these things are real popular shows trying to contact the dead and, and trying to reach out beyond the grave many people want to know where are my relatives are they okay and they'll go through a medium which the bible strictly forbids and and try to reach out and people's hearts are touched and they're crying because the they, people's heart there's something intrinsic in our heart that says there's got to be something more there's got to be something more than this world that we live in and and if, if you if you have a heartbeat if there's blood going through your veins today, there's been a time in your life where you've come to the point where you said, there's got to be something more than what I see. There's got to be something more than just waking up every single day and just going to work and trying to save for retirement so that I can move to Florida and be part of a shuffleboard team. There's got to be... By the way, shuffleboard is just fun. It's just fun fun we've played it before i've beaten a lot of old people at it i had an 85 year old woman beat me at shuffleboard it's just it's a fun thing so that's not a bad goal but that's not the only goal and so we got to think to ourselves what is going on in this world now now what we see around us especially in the media today and on tv we see the spiritual war being very much emphasized uh, we, we hear things about how to get in contact with the spiritual, get in contact with your spiritual self that are very anti-biblical. Let, let me just give you some, some things that, that are being taught, uh, being paraded, such on, on shows like PBS. Wayne Dyer is a very popular figure on, on PBS who, who, who's very, very spiritual and, and feels like he's got insight into the spiritual world. He says this, Wayne Dyer... Uh, in his book, Sit Back and Let the Unseen World Take Care of It. This is what he says. To make your dreams come true, you must go to the unseen world, the world of the spirit or inspiration. It is a world that will guide you to anything you'd like to have in your life. He also said you, you have a very powerful mind that can make anything happen. As long as you keep yourself centered. And so this topic of new age, spiritualism, is very, very popular today. And the reason why it is because intrinsically, people want to know more. Here's my answer to you. The Bible speaks very specifically to that and gives us the answer to the spiritual world. Not from these so-called false teachers that are telling you what the spiritual world is Consider, you know, telling you what they think it is. But the Bible, which we believe is truth, gives us the answer to the spiritual world. That We don't have to depend on other people to give us their so-called opinions about what they think the spiritual world is that can lead people into destruction and shipwreck their faith. So we know that we live in a spiritual world. We also have discovered over the series that we are not separated from the spiritual world. So we need to biblically define... What this spiritual world is, 2 Corinthians 4, 4, Paul says that the the apostle Paul says the God of this age, which we know is to be the devil or Satan, has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God or the exact representation or that word image means exactly the same kind of, which we believe that Jesus is God. Now I want you to notice what Paul says here. Satan has done what? Blinded the minds of unbelievers. How? And we've studied this over the last couple of weeks. He sidetracks us into different isms, humanism, paganism, the worship of yourself, the, the worship of new age, such as Wayne Dyer teaches. Uh, he sidetracks us from the truth of who Christ is. And so anything that can take us off Our minds off of God and the focus of Jesus Christ, that is what Satan delves into. He wants to blind us from the truth of God's word. So we need to protect ourselves. Naturalism, atheistic naturalism, such as Darwinism, would say there is no creator. There is no creator of man. There is no creator of the universe. All this is done by nature. It's all done haphazardly. And, and this can blind us to the fact that there is a creator, someone that has created you, but they want to depend on naturalism, that this has all happened through a naturalistic order. This is all to blind us from the truth of God's word. So we live in a very spiritual world, whether we believe it or not, and it's done through a lot of teachings that come into our world. And so if you're not a follower of Jesus Christ here this morning, let me just encourage you that the word of God speaks to this. That there's hope in the Word of God, that Christ has come to expose those hidden things and to shine his light on every dark place. Amen? And when Christ comes into your heart, it's like a it's like a beam of light that shines the truth on all this darkness. And so even though we live in a spiritual world, even though Satan is the prince of this world, giving his approval to what is contrary to Christ, as a follower of Christ, we don't have any reason to fear because we need to remember two things when it comes to our battle in this spiritual world, specifically against Satan. And we've discovered a couple things here. First of all, we've discovered that Jesus destroyed the works of the devil. And so what Jesus does is he gives us the power to overcome the schemes of the devil so that we can ultimately resist him. And so we don't have to fear the enemy and what he's doing. We have the power in Jesus Christ who has revealed the truth of us, who the truth of Christ is within us, to overcome and resist the enemy. James 4, 7 says, James says, Submit yourself then to God and resist the devil and he will do what? He will flee from you. So we have to find ourselves in Christ and that's where our protection is it's in christ so we know that jesus destroyed the work of the devil on the cross two thousand years ago we understand too about satan it's not this ying and yang thing that new age teaching would tell you that you have jesus on one side and satan on the other and they have equal power what we need to understand about satan is that satan's power is limited he is a created being the bible says He was an angelic angel that got so full of his own pride that he wanted to be like God and he fell from heaven taking with him many angels with him who also fell who do his bidding. So he's under the auspices of God. He's under God's ultimate control. It's not this yin and yang thing where, you know, you got, you know, one shoulder, you got a demon, the other shoulder, you got an angel, and there's this equal power between the two. It's not that way. all. Satan has limited power. He's a created being under the power of God, and God places limitations on him. So our greatest defense against the enemy is to be prepared and alert. Peter even tells us, listen, be on your guard, be alert. For the devil is a roaring lion seeking to whom he may devour. So we need to ask ourselves, is where is this whole thing going? Where is everything going? Where is this world going? Are we just spinning in this universe with no purpose? I mean, where is everything going? Okay, if I understand that I live in a spiritual world, if I understand that there's evil in the world, if I understand that, that Christ is the ruler of this world, and, and if I understand that Jesus is the only way to God and he's the only one that can forgive my sins, then, then where is all this going? Well, I want you to understand something, that the Bible is made up of individual stories that are very interesting. And some of you here, whether you're a Christian or not, you may, you may know the story of Adam and Eve, the first people of creation. You may, you may know the story of, of, of Noah. Right? You may understand the story of Moses if you watch the Ten Commandments on TV. It's going to be on again this Easter season. Charleston Heston. You know, you may get some of these stories. They they may be familiar, even if even if you haven't read the Bible. Jonah, in the belly of the great fish. You, maybe you never read the Bible, but you understand there's these stories that you may understand or you were read as a child. But I want you to understand something. The Bible has a lot of interesting individual stories, but the Bible has one main theme and if we're going to understand about end times we have to understand this one theme the theme that runs the thread the theme that runs through the whole word of God is that there is the redemption of man and the restoration of all things that's our hope can I get an amen that God is going to restore all all things that have been broken. So if you look at the world today, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to figure out that the world is broken. Okay, it's broken. You don't have to even be a Christian to realize that the world is broken. We have broken lives. There's evil in the world. People ask, why do bad things happen in this world? I'll tell you why. Because there's evil in the world. Man has fallen from God's grace. And because man has fallen, there is Evil in the world and that's why we see men do evil things in this world and so we have to understand that God is going to restore all things that have been broken from man's rebellion so from the first book of the Bible in Genesis we see man's rebellion against God and how sin separated us from God in Adam and Eve and so the first few chapters of Genesis we see God's plan to restore man back to him. And if you remember anything about the story of Adam and Eve, when they rebelled against God and they sinned against God, the first thing they did is they hid from God because they were ashamed and they looked at themselves and they noticed that they were naked and so they were ashamed. And so what they did is they sewed fig leaves together to cover their shame. The nakedness represented or symbolically represented their guilt before God. They were guilty because of their sin. So they covered their nakedness before God. And so what God said to them is, listen, these things that you've used to cover yourself aren't going to be enough to cover the guilt in your heart. Track with me here. Follow me here. Right? See, the reason why we feel guilty today, the reason why we feel bad when we do things is because of the guilt the stain of sin that's in every single one of our hearts. And the way we try to cover that guilt and that sin is through a pseudo way that man has tried to cover their, his guilt for years. We try to use man-made things such as fig leaves to cover our guilt. We'll say, well, I'll try to be a better person, right? I'll try to do good things For people, I'll I'll try to be better. So what we do is we use pseudo things to try to cover the guilt, but that can never cleanse you of the ultimate guilt of your sin. Only Christ can do that because he was perfect. So the reason why, follow me, the reason why we constantly fail in our lives and repeat the same thing over and over again, right? The reason why we do that is because those things are just temporary. They don't work. And so God says, I've given you the answer in my son Jesus. so what God did for Adam and Eve, instead of giving them fig leaves, God actually had a sacrifice for them. It was the first blood sacrifice that we see in the word of God. And he gave them animal skins to cover their guilt. And what God was saying to Adam and Eve is this. He said, the only way that your sin can be covered is through a sacrifice There has to be a life paid for your guilt and your sin. And so as you see the theme throughout the whole Bible, it comes to fruition in Christ Jesus who was perfect, who was the Son of God, who was God, who took and bore our sins upon himself on that cross 2,000 years ago to take your guilt and your sin upon himself. And when you come to Christ... He cleanses you of all that guilt and all that shame that you've been trying to do your whole life to cover, right? And I'll tell you what, it's, it's amazing. Uh, you just even little, ki- even little kids, they're sinners. Yeah. Those are the parents. Little, little kid, five and six-year-old kids are conniving. I've got three kids. I'm like, wow, it's amazing how they just are little sinners. I was talking to my neighbor one time. He has, he has, he has little grandchildren. They're running around. They were kind of fighting and stuff. And my neighbor, he's a Christian, he was so funny, he goes, Here's a granddad goes, man, they are just little sinners, aren't they? And I said, they are, aren't they? God love them, but they're sinners that need Jesus. So, listen, we're all sinners in need of a savior and so if you look at the theme through the whole bible it's god's plan to restore the brokenness of man and many of you are sitting here today you received christ and god has healed you and redeemed you and bought you back from the bonds of slavery that's why some of you are here today that we lift our hands and we worship god because we're thankful for what god has done in our lives he set us free he's healed us of all the sin and all the condemnation in our hearts. So, so I want you to see that the whole point of the Bible is to, is to restore man to a right relationship with God, that God's going to restore everything in his creation, specifically for those that have trusted Christ. So one of the greatest promises found in all of, of, of Scripture is Christ's return to restore all things, not as a baby, but as King of kings and Lord of lords. Do you realize that there are five times as many prophecies of Christ's second return than his first. The Bible speaks five times as much about his second coming than his first coming. So we've got to ask ourselves, why don't we hear about Jesus' second coming anymore? What happened? When I, when I first became a Christian in 1982, that's all you heard about, Jesus coming back. Jesus is, Remember those of you that are old like me? How many remember that? Raise your hands. I don't feel so by myself. Okay, good. You remember that. It's like, and now you don't hear much about that. Guess what? Jesus is coming back, and the Bible speaks to it. So that's what I want to touch on in the next few weeks because there's so much prophecy about his second coming. We need to understand why is there so much talking about in the Bible about Jesus' second coming because he's going to restore all things. So I want to answer a couple of questions in our study about end times. And the first question I want to answer is this. Are we living in the end times? And the answer is yes. So I want to lay a foundation for for us so we can clearly see the age that we're living in today so we can be prepared as believers. How many of you know what was supposed to happen on December 21st, 2012? Anybody know what was supposed to happen on that day? What was supposed to happen... The world was supposed to end. How many remember that? Okay, so you already forgot. It. It's only like three months after. Okay, according to the Mayan calendar, this was like big talk. Um, in fact, when we were in Guatemala last year, we went to go visit some ruins and there was some big celebration about the Mayan calendar and they had new aid music and it was real spooky and weird and we were just laying hands on the thing and rebuking the demons out of... No, I'm just teasing. It was just really freaky and they were really celebrating this Mayan calendar thing that, that you know, there's TV shows on it and was the world going to end? What, what, what was the sun going to burn up? Was, was a planet going to collide with us? Um, were there going to be monkey men that were going to rule the earth? That's how I think it's going to end. No, I'm just teasing. Um, th- there won't. What is going on? And this was a big, big deal. Guess what? Nothing happened. I wasn't worried about it. I wasn't worried on December 21st because I, I know what the Bible has to say. And this was a big thing that the world's going to So it kind of piqued people's curiosity. It was interesting. That even on cable and satellite TV, there's a lot of shows that begin to talk about biblical prophecy. It kind of piqued people's interest into the end times and how the world is going to end. Guess what? The Bible's been speaking about this for 2,000 years on how the world was going to end. And so let's look to see what is happening around us. Jesus warned us that the end would come. Look at your, if you've got your Bibles or your notes or look up at the screens, look at Matthew 24 what Jesus says about the end times. It says, Jesus answered them when they, when they tried to corner Jesus and said, Jesus, what's going to happen? How's everything going to end? Jesus said, Watch out that no one does what? Deceives you. For many will come in my name. There will be those with my calendars. There will be individuals that say, I'm going to give you this date. How many of you have known that there's been people in the past that have predicted over and over and over again when the end of time was going to come? And over and over again, they have to keep switching their predictions, right? Because it comes, it passes, expires, and it doesn't work. So Jesus even said this 2,000 years ago. For men will come in my name, claiming I am the Christ, and they will deceive many. You will hear wars and rumors of war, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise up against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There, there will be famine and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of birth pains. Are we not seeing that all around us today? Yes, we are. Look at what Jesus says in verse 36. He says, No one knows the day nor the hour. Let's say that together. No one knows the day or the hour. I don't care what Bible teacher it is. I don't care how much knowledge they have in the Word of God. If anybody makes a prediction on what day the end will come, this is what you are to do to that, okay? Just do a raspberry to the TV, turn the guy off and say, because it's all sensationalistic and I know everybody wants to know, oh, this is when it comes and this Bible verse lines up with this and this number lines up with this and this group, oh, and they got it all, and, they got, and they're like, oh, isn't that neat and dandy? Nobody knows. Nobody knows. Not even the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. No one knows when the end will come. Jesus does, however, give us signs to look at and there are signs all around us and this is what i want to focus on today because this is where many christians can get tripped up with end-time prophecy it, it, it can get very sensationalistic and i know there's some churches that really focus a lot on end-time prophecy and will look at this verse in ezekiel and this verse and thing. Hey, we'll put it all together <laughs> look at all this and everybody whoa, oh that's russia coming down he's the bear no there's china china's gonna be the one that comes. listen listen before you get all crazy on me okay let's look at what the scriptures say because it's interesting every time Jesus was was forced into talking about end times he seemed to always turn it back to evangelism he seemed to always turn around and say you need to be ready you need to be prepared we need to keep preaching the gospel message of Christ till the end comes cuz what can happen is we can get so worked up about end times that we forget about we live in this time and people need to know about Christ now right so let's be careful we only all crazy And I know people like to chase end time prophecy conferences. I'm not saying they're bad in themselves and it's not good to know about these things. We need to talk about the return of Christ. We need to be prepared. But the whole reason to talk about these things is so that we can be prepared. And I'm going to give you a couple things here for the reasons why we need to be ready as a church in these end times. Because end times are going to be characterized by a couple of things. And this is what I want to emphasize today. Today. The end times are going to be characterized by a couple of things, and let me give you two of these things, and then we're going to really dig into these things next week as we go into the book of Revelation. So I'm going to put out a challenge right now. Are you ready? book of Revelation, you can read it really quick in two days. I'm going to challenge you to read the book of Revelation before next week. Okay? So, how many are you going to do it? Raise your hand and say, Pastor, I will do it. Oh, you guys are so obedient. That's great. Okay, we'll see because I'm going to test you next week on the book. Just to, and you know what? Just read it. Don't get all caught up. What's this seal and what does this mean? And oh, my goodness, what, what's the, 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 you know, what, is, what does that mean? I, what's this dragon mean to this? Just read it. Just read it and, and just, we're going to talk about it over the next two weeks. Okay, so good. That's my challenge to you. So, let's look at what the end times are going to be characterized. Here's a couple things. First of all, the Bible tells us the end times are going to be characterized by a lack of godliness, by a lack of godliness. Paul stresses this, the apostle Paul stresses this to young Timothy, who, 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 who Paul took under his wing and trained him to be a pastor, and he says, Timothy, this is what you're going to have to watch out. Something written 2,000 years ago is so apropos to what we're going through today. Listen to what he says. "...brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, have nothing to do with them." What is Paul saying is a key ingredient to the end times, rebellion. Man will rebel against God and they will become lovers of themselves pride will enter into the heart of man and they'll begin to elevate themselves and not God. Man will say, we have the answers. We know what's best for ourselves. And what, what begins to happen is that seed of hatred and rebellion rises up within man and it's every, it becomes every man for himself. How many of you, you live in this age where you just see selfishness, and I'm, I'm going to point to myself too, selfishness all around us, that in our culture... It's all about me, right? You see it. And I I try to be very careful in in my life about not getting irritated or impatient, because I have zero patience sometimes, right? Am I the only one? I know there's some of you. Do I need to start calling your names? Okay, I know there's some of you, all right? You know, wives, you're hitting your husbands. Okay, I know some of you are impatient, right? And I've got to catch myself, because... Because in these last days, we're going to be, and really what he's saying is, lovers of yourself. That, that everything has to revolve around you and your needs, and you have to have it your way, and we need to have it right away, right? I told you about that last week in Panama. We were in a McDonald's, hour and a half to get our food. Hour and a half. I was somewhere getting a burger, and I had to wait five minutes. The guy next to me was like, I can't, I can't believe this. Who's back there? Is anybody back there? And I'm like, I go to the guy, no, they're, they're cooking it. Will you just settle down, you sinner going to hell? Will you just settle down, okay? It's all going to be all right. You know, they were cooking it. Five minutes! Hour and a half in Panama waiting for... There would have been knife fights in Rochester in line if people had to wait. It would have been chaos. They would have had the SWAT team surrounding McDonald's because people would have had a riot in there. You see, the problem is we are so in tuned to ourselves that everything revolves around me. We are such a consumer society, right? My smartphone is two and a half years old. My friend, Ray, who we went on a trip with us, got a brand new Samsung Galaxy. And I looked at his, and I have to admit, I looked at his, I i got to get a new phone now. This thing is a piece of junk. And I felt like throwing the thing on the... It, it's fine. It works fine. But what? whether you get the iPhone 1, 2, Generation 3, 4, iX, 3, 4, XI1 phone, right? It, because it's... Wait a minute. It's got a better camera. It's It's got the... It's not 720. It's actually 1080. I don't even know if that's right. But anyway, it's 1080 now. I got to have it. I got to upgrade it. Because mine's now a piece of junk. I was laughing. We... Kathleen and I, she's got a super old, the flip phones. Remember when they're really small? So when she talks, she opens her flip phone. We were watching a movie from like 2005, and a little girl had that exact phone. So I get the evil eye from my wife. Same phone, Barden. Eight years ago. I go, honey, it works fine. Can you text on it? Yeah, I can't even read it. I need a magnifying glass to read the text. Will you get me a new phone? So, listen, lovers of South. Now, here's the next thing. Here's what we're going to delve into because that was the fun part. Here comes the scary part, okay? Because I want you to realize this is, this is the mark of the end times where God's going to redeem everything. God's going to judge everything. But here's a true sign of the end time and it's the spirit of... Of Antichrist. Now, some of you may have any idea what that means. Some of you have studied any biblical prophecy, you know what that means. But listen to what John says. We know that men are going to be lovers of themselves, and then there's going to be the spirit of the Antichrist. First John 2.18. It says, Dear children, this is the last hour. And as you have heard, the Antichrist is coming, which we're going to, you got to come next week to hear about this. We're going to talk about who is the Antichrist. Was it Hitler? No. Was he like an Antichrist? You better believe it. But we're going to look at specifically what the Bible has to say about Antichrist. But he says, it is coming. But this is interesting what John says. Even now, many Antichrists have come. And this is how we know it's the last hour. Now, Paul gets a little bit more specific here in Thessalonians, where he says... For the secret power of lawlessness is already at work, but the one who now holds it back will continue to do so until it's taken out of the way. Now, I believe that's the body of Jesus Christ, and and we're going to talk about that next week. But there's a presence in this world today, and believe it or not, there's the power of Jesus in this world today that's represented through the church of Jesus Christ, the true followers of Jesus, right? And there is something that's holding the person of the Antichrist back. And until that is revealed and taken away, the Antichrist will come into full fruition and be a person. We're going to, and if you read through Revelation this week, you will understand a little bit more about the person of the Antichrist. Now, and I'm going to tell you my opinion of what I think is going to be characterized by, by, by the Antichrist. So John tells his listeners, listen, this is the last hour. So what does he mean? What John means is the time between Christ's ascension and his return is the last hour. So the last hour is not 60 minutes, but what Jesus is saying, it's a span of time. And John says, we are in the last hours. Now think about it. He wrote this 2,000 years ago. So think for a moment. John spoke these words so many years ago. What time do you think it is now? I think it's the 59th minute. I think we are getting so close to the end times, and we're going to really unveil that next week. So we need to be ready. And so in this last hour, John and Paul tell us that it will be marked by the spirit of Antichrist. And the Bible teaches us that it will be a person that will come in the end times. Jesus talked about him, and this person will deceive many. And and as you read through the book of Revelation, you're going to hear about the seven-year tribulation period where God will send his judgment on the earth to to redeem. Once again, God's judgment in the seven-year tribulation period is not just to pour out his judgment upon sinners, but to redeem those to come back to him. That's really his ultimate goal. And as you read through the book of Revelation, you're going to see this rise to power of the Antichrist. And the people that will follow the Antichrist will be marked with a a number, a symbolic number. Many of you have heard this number, 666. This unholy number. And without this number, no one can buy or sell. So unless you're marked with this symbolic number in the end times, which will will be one of the antithesis of the Antichrist, is that you cannot buy or sell anything without this number. Now, is it going to be a 666 on the forehead? I have no idea. But there's going to be some mark that will be placed on people, and you cannot buy or sell. So that basically will cripple anyone who doesn't take the mark of the beast because they can't buy or sell anything. They'll just starve, or they'll have to live by themselves and try to sustain life for themselves. And so here's what's going to be marked by this Antichrist, and we'll talk about this a lot coming up in the next couple of weeks. He will create this, the Bible says, he will create this one-world-type government, And he'll unify the currency. And what's interesting, and the reason why I bring this all up now, is what's interesting, we're already seeing that at play today. Let me give you one example. Ready? The one example that we see of this one world currency coming into existence today. First of all, you've got to realize between America, the economy between America and China is like this. They own all our stocks. They buy all our goods. If you don't think that the economy hinges on everybody else, get your head out of the sands. Okay? So that's playing in part of this end times. But but here's something I want you to see. The unifying of the currency is very interesting to me because much of Europe today has one currency called the euro. Right? Not, 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 not what you eat at the Greek restaurant, okay? This is, which are really good, by the way. This is the euro. It's, it's a, it's, that's a euro. This is the euro. It actually kind of, says, kind of says the same. Now I'm hungry. thinking about a euro now. Okay. This is a currency uh, that, is, that is instituted by the European Union of Nations. And it's the official currency of the eurozone, which consists of 17 of the 27 uh, member state of the European Union. Now here's what's interesting. The euro... Is the second largest reserve currency as well as the most traded currency in the world after the United States dollar. Hmm. All of us should say, hmm, isn't that interesting? The Antichrist, you can't buy or sell without the mark. And the Antichrist is going to come in and bring unity because at first everybody's going to follow him. And think he is going to be the one that has all the solutions to the economic issues in our world today? People, look at how our world is just teetering on economic disaster. Just watch the news for any length of time. Greece and Italy, they don't even have a government. They're having issues putting their government together. And everything is just teetering like this, And wouldn't it, wouldn't it be interesting as we read scriptures that the Antichrist will come in and fix the economic issues and problems and lift himself up as a world leader? Wouldn't that deceive many? Because they would think that he has all the answers. Isn't it interesting how much we focus on the economy to solve all our problems? Feeding right in to and time prophecy. So what the word of God is saying through these apostles is the spirit of the Antichrist is anyone or any teaching that is against Christ. The person of the Antichrist will not be revealed until the time of the tribulation. At that time, I believe the church will be removed. And so what is the message for us here today? Is the Antichrist message among us today? And I would say yes with a resounding yes. Yes. Over and over again, we see this warning in the Word of God. And so let's see some of the warnings that even Paul gives us and what we are to hear today. 1 Timothy 4, 1, Paul says to young Timothy, The Spirit clearly says that in these latter times some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits, things taught by demons. What's he saying? Guard your heart, guard your heart, guard your heart, guard your heart. 1 Timothy 4, 3 through 4. For the time will come when men will not put up with what? Sound doctrine. Sound teaching that comes from the word of God. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers who say things what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths, things that aren't even taught In the Word of God. And I believe the greatest battle we have today as the church, I believe the greatest attack against the church today, and and it's just a clear sign that we are living in the end times, is the attack against the deity of Christ. And it's interesting. Every two or three years, something pops up, whether it's a movie or a book or something pops up that attacks the deity of Christ. and and who Christ is and that he is God because really the deity of Christ is what separates what we believe as Christians from every other religious belief because we believe that Jesus is God, not just a good person, not just a great teacher, not just a great philosopher, not just a prophet, but we believe that he is actually God. The Da Vinci Code, if any of you remember the the book there and the movie, it sold 60 million copies. was a major... Motion picture. And the premise of the Da Vinci Code was that Christ's deity was actually an invention of the church made up at the Council of Nicaea. And the Emperor Constantine at that time basically turned Jesus' humanity into deity. And that the church never believed in Christ's deity before that. That the church, hundreds of years before this council, just believed that Jesus was human but didn't believe that Jesus was God. Now this couldn't be any further from the truth. The Council of Nicaea was to reiterate what the church had already believed for hundreds of years and actually the church met to come against that very heresy. Because there was one guy, one nut job running around that was coming against the deity of Christ. So the church came together and said, "Okay, we're going to come against this nut job's idea that Christ wasn't divine. So the Da Vinci Code is completely false, completely built on false premise, and not even built on accurate accurate church history. And the reason why these things keep coming up every year or two every three years is because when you mess with the deity of Christ, you mess with our salvation. And if we don't believe that Jesus is God, then what that does is it takes away from what Christ actually did on the cross. Because what happens is who died on the cross was not actually God but just a good man. And if he was just a good man, then he is just like you and I, which is flawed, which couldn't take away our sins. But if Jesus actually died on the cross as God, perfect, then he is the only one that is worthy enough and perfect enough to take away your sins and please a holy God. So the reason why we're doing this whole end time study for the next two weeks is that we as a church would guard our hearts from false teaching that would try to meander its way into the church and that we would be on our guard as the body of Christ against what's going on in the world today. And I'll tell you what, the the enemy can do it through so many ways and he can distract us in so many ways we need to be a people that are grounded in the truth of God's word so that we can stand firm in these last days. And guess what? Even in America, we're going to be persecuted for what we believe in Christ. We're already seeing that persecution today. Christians are already marginalized, and they are not tolerated anymore for what we believe in the sanctity of life and the sanctity of marriage and all those things. We are marginalized now and, taught to, and thought to be intolerant. And that everybody else is tolerant, but we aren't. People, that, that is only going to grow worse in these last days. So we need to be firmly grounded in the Word of God so that we can stand firm, so that we can proclaim the truth to those around us, that they might hear the truth of Christ and bow their knee to Him in repentance and find healing and forgiveness for their lives. Because only the truth of Christ Jesus can truly Set us free. Let me me just leave you, as we get ready to go into communion this morning, let me leave you with this. I love this verse. Underline this. Just put this up on your refrigerator. I love this verse in Acts 4.12. It says, And there is salvation in no one else, and there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Jesus is the only way. And listen, as, as we come to the, the table this morning, we take communion this morning, I want you to realize this is what communion represents. Jesus, on that Passover meal, that last supper, before he was to go to the cross, sat with his disciples and broke bread with them. And basically instituted this to them and saying, this is my body. This bread represents my body, which is given for you. This cup symbolizes my blood that will be shed for you. This is a new covenant that I will make between God and you. And if you trust me, and you trust me for the cleansing of your sins through my sacrifice, you will have a relationship with God and you will stand clean before the Lord. But listen. The the, the communion elements, I want you to understand something, are initiated by Christ. Christ is the only mediator between heaven and earth. I can't mediate for God for you. Not a priest, not a pastor, not a guru, no one. Only Christ can mediate between God and you. So these elements represent a Savior who stood in the gap for you, who became sin for you. Your sins were placed on him so you could find the forgiveness that you're looking for today. But it comes through this. That's why communion is so powerful because we're remembering what Christ did for us. We're remembering that it's only through his sacrifice that we can find forgiveness, that it's only through his shed blood that we can find cleansing from our sins. So every time, every month we take this, this is a powerful thing because what you're saying is, Jesus, only you and you alone can cleanse me. Only you can I find forgiveness. And there may be some of you here today and you need to find that forgiveness. Well, listen, communion is open to all of God's family who have received Christ as their Lord and Savior, who has bowed before Him and confessed Him as Lord and Savior. And we're going to do that right now. And we're going to pray. Maybe some of you have never taken communion before. I'm going to pray with you right now. That if your heart is open and you receive Christ as your Lord and Savior and you bow before him and you confess your sin, then you are brand new. God forgives you. You You're his child now. You are made right before God. And you can take and celebrate what Christ has done for you. Isn't that exciting? I think some of you are going to find that today. I think some of you are going to find Christ today, and you're going to be healed today and and find forgiveness. Also, here's the exciting thing about communion. Communion also is a remembrance that Christ is coming again. We celebrate that Jesus, not only your death and resurrection, but we're celebrating that you're coming back for a spotless church without stain or wrinkle. So every time we take communion, what we're doing is we're saying, God, cleanse me anew. I open up my heart for examination this morning that you would cleanse me. None of us in this place are perfect. We've all made mistakes. We all have got our hang-ups. We all, this, is just, this church is one big dysfunctional church. It just is. We're all I love this church. The reason why I love this church is because we're all messed up. I love it. And, and Jesus is the only one that can fix us, Amen. There are all a bunch of people that are messed up dysfunctional that need a savior that's what makes church wonderful right and so we all need a savior so when you come to the lord's table you're recognizing that jesus is the only way that he's the only one that can cleanse you that he's the only one that can can fix you and we're also celebrating that jesus you're coming back again and i want my heart to be prepared I I want to make sure that my mind is not deluded from the things of this world. I want to make sure that my mind is focused on your word, focused on prayer, so that I won't easily be be deceived in this last day, that the enemy is still lurking around, that he's still trying to deceive us. He's still, still trying to take us away from Christ. But we have the power, in Jesus' name, to stand firm in these last days. That's the hope that we have. Isn't that wonderful? So guess what? We need each other as the church. We've got to come together as the body of Christ. Let me encourage you here today. Get involved in a small group. Get involved with other Christians that are going to encourage you. When you go through a discouraging time, you're going to have that brother or that sister that's going to be right there with you, praying for you, helping you to get through those discouraging times so that your heart does not become open to become wayward to the attacks and the advice of the enemy that you can remain strong in these last days. Amen? So we need each other. The church is so important. So we can love on each other. We can support each other. We can, we can pray for one another. Isn't it wonderful to know when someone's praying for you? Isn't that great? When you can call another brother or sister or Lord and say, listen, man, I'm having a lousy And I need you to pray for me that I can remain strong today. Man, there's nothing great. I love hearing that stuff. There's nothing greater than that. We need each other. So as we pray today, let's just ask God to cleanse us. And if you're here today and you've never received Christ, you've never confessed and made a profession of faith in Jesus Christ today, you can do that today. And we're going to pray right now to do that. And after we get done praying, we're going to show you just, I want you to look up at the screens. We've got a short, just, media on what communion means and then the worship team is going to lead us in in a song of worship and the ushers are going to serve you communion and we're going to take communion together as a family so just wait to the end of the song together as I lead you to take communion together amen so let's bow our hearts Let's, let's pray and just ask God just to just to help us today Lord as we come before you Lord we ask that you would cleanse us today Lord I pray for anyone here today that has not made a profession of faith in you that right now, at their seats, they can do that. That the word of God says, anyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And you can cleanse us and we can find forgiveness in you. That's what communion's all about. It's depending on Jesus for our forgiveness. It's recognizing what Jesus did for us on the cross. And so, Lord, I pray that today for every person, that you would bring your cleansing and your healing to us as a church. And as we recognize what Jesus did for us, we celebrate the fact that we are new, that we are forgiven, that we are healed today. So do that work in our hearts today as we bow our hearts before you. Lord, I pray that we would just come together as a church, that we would look forward to your second return, that you would guard us in these last days from any from the spirit of Antichrist, from the schemes of the enemy, that, God, we would remain firm in Christ Jesus in these last days Keep us strong, God. I pray for every marriage here today, God, that you would unite them, keep them strong in you. I pray for every individual as temptation comes before us that we would be strong in the Lord, that, that there's no temptation that is so great that can overcome us, that, there's, that God has not made a way of escape for us through Christ Jesus. We have the power in Christ's name now to overcome any temptation. And so we thank you for that and we celebrate that fact. So we just worship you now. And we thank you for your love. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Go ahead and look up at the screens. Ushers, you can make your way forward at this time. God bless you.
1: I pray.
0: great God we serve. Lord, we thank you that you forgive us and you cleanse us when we put our faith in you. So Lord, I pray for every heart here today that God, you would bring that cleansing as we put our faith in Christ Jesus. We hold this bread in our hand which represents the body of Christ that was given for us, that was bruised, the nails that were thrust through his hands and his feet, the spear that was placed in his side, the the thorn that uh, was placed on his head that was made to look like a crown. Jesus, you did that for us because you loved us. And you knew this was the only way that we could find redemption, that we could find forgiveness was through your sacrifice, your perfect sacrifice. For that, we are so grateful. So as we take this bread, we remember what you did for us. God, I pray for a cleansing here today. We thank you in Jesus' name. Let's partake of the bread together as the body of Christ. Amen. Amen. And Lord, we thank you for this cup. Lord, we know your word says that without the shedding of blood, without a sacrifice, there could be no forgiveness of our sin. This cup symbolizes your blood, which symbolizes your sacrifice, the ultimate sacrifice of death that you paid for our sin. The Bible says that you took on our sin. He who had no sin took on our sins, that we might find the righteousness of Christ. And thank you, Lord, that there's nothing I could ever do to earn your love or deserve your forgiveness. It's all given by your grace. It's a gift that you give to those who place their faith in you. And so we receive your forgiveness, the gift of your forgiveness, through your grace, by our faith, God. So we place our faith in you today. We Thank you, Lord. Protect this church, God. Lord, I pray that you would draw this church close together. That, God, we would be a body that would seek your face. That we would encourage each other. That we would love each other. That we would forgive each other. That we would grow through your mighty word. So we thank you for this cup that cleanses us here today, Lord. We give you the glory. In Jesus' name. Everyone sat. Amen. Let's partake of the cup together. Amen. 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 Let's give the Lord just a hand clap of praise this morning for his word today. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Let me encourage you once again. For for those of you that may have received Christ today, we've got a free book for you uh, on the Narthex table. It's called What Now? The Bibles and all the back of the seats. Those are free. You can take those if you don't have one. If you do have one, don't add to your collection. But uh, you're free to take those. But otherwise, God bless you. Have a wonderful day. Amen. Go in God's grace.
1: down and wiped our tears away stepped in and saved the day but once again I say amen and it's still